just just to add it on the side um just a, just another sure. thing i always okay. like splice this in but yeah that's actually this might just be a very personal question you're more than welcome to like deny this as much as you want um are you uh to my menstruators here uh do you are you heavy bleeders unless you're on birth control and you're, you're not any yeah i was gonna say not anymore because i have the iud so if i do it's very rare um spotting at least but then yeah but I've also been like on birth control for half of my life um so I would say I'm I my body's just not regulated anymore and the times that I was wasn't on birth control for that like six months or so it was awful right okay so I can only imagine being incarcerated as a woman and not getting those resources that you need you know people have to use socks or use nothing or you know and then to think that those undergarments are also recycled so it's not like you get a fresh hair when you you know enter the system you're recycling all of and that's similar to men but as women that that's just disgusting yeah yeah there's unhygienic Mm -hmm. yeah um, I know Laura has more to say about that. <laughs> you pass a day. Okay. For me, I, this is full I disclosure. Did, I did not go through menopause until I left prison. So I experienced you, you did the, whole the, full, the full thing in there, the full experience of uh, all that. What I, what I want to say uh, that that's a little off, off first is that I noticed most lifers who were in their 40s had already had hysterectomies while in prison. Mm-hmm. Almost and my entire cell hold on, had, hold on. had had hysterectomies. Question. So, yes. Because we did have a talk about this. We had a, we had a podcast episode with a OBGYN about hysterectomies and how racially invasive procedure it was in the very beginning. Right. Uh, I just, I just want to ask, just to make sure, um, were these hysterectomies consensual? Yes, they were consensual, but I feel like uh, women are not educated enough about their reproductive rights and about health. Yes, um, I see. Yes, I've heard about that one, Billy the Beast. Mm-hmm. Women's health, and so. Uh, if a doctor in prison tells you you need a hysterectomy or basically tells you anything in prison because you're not educated, because you have not read up on these things, because perhaps your mother was absent or you didn't have the, that kind of rapport with your grandmother, you're not going to know. The only reference you're going to have is that prison doctor telling you, mm-hmm. ma'am, you need a hysterectomy. So I feel like it's a choice but it is also a choice based on uneducated, uh, an uneducated history and a choice based on lack of knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. and I was, they were, so the thing is, is once you have a hysterectomy, you're right. automatically sent into menopause. So you've got an, an, almost an entire cell of women that are in menopause in their forties. You know, quick, uh, quick question. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Um, oh, go ahead. Are, are, so you're currently in, you're, you are on menopause? Yeah, currently I am. Okay, currently you're in. But um, yeah. also next question. Have you ever had to teach another woman or like a, young, a younger person about their reproductive rights or their uh, just menstrual cycles or anything like that? Oh, yeah. In prison, I mean, there are women that come in there that... <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just shocking um, how uneducated they are about 
about their periods, about menopause, about, about uh, sexual, health sexual and all that. reproductive health and diseases. I mean, it's, it's sad to see uh, so many women who have been neglected, you know, in education and neglected in this type of education. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference when they come out and they're parents of young women also, you know, that they know nothing, that some of them know nothing about birth control. You know, they've never even been taught that simple thing. So you can imagine, you know, what it's like when they come in and, and some, some women come in pregnant, you know, in the beginning. So, I mean, there's oh, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of things that we end up having to teach each other. Some things are correct and some, some things, things are very right. far from correct. Next and, question. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Know. I keep interrupting. No, I'm so go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. Um, next question. Because uh, you've mentioned that you've hopped around different prisons, um, right? Uh, in each prison, your physician or your doctor, male or female or woman or man? Uh, it, was, it was pretty mixed. Is oh, okay. I was not expecting that really. Yeah, no, I've had male physicians and I've had female physicians and, and basically they're, um, they're just there to record health. They're not there to talk to you or teach you about your health. I, I was, uh, insulin dependent before I left prison and everybody lined up every day to get a shot, but I'm a type two diabetic. I'm not a type one diabetic. So I read up and I exercised like a maniac for six months to get off of that insulin because I knew that I didn't have to be on it. I'm not insulin dependent, but no one told me. And I finally Mm -hmm. lost enough weight where I went into the doctor and she said, oh, you you lost 40 pounds. I'm taking you off the insulin. It makes you gain weight anyway. And I said, well, why wouldn't you tell me that it's the insulin that's making me gain weight to stay on the insulin? Like why yeah. is it something you're not sharing with me? And um, oh my gosh. Yeah, so I ended up having to educate myself. And then you better believe I went back to that diabetic line and I'm like, I don't know why all you guys are standing here. You're type two, you can get off insulin. Mm-hmm. You don't have to keep taking it, but people don't know. Yeah, that's the, that's the pain of it. Like just, just, from, just from the pre-med side is that it, it, it bugs me. It really bugs me to know. And just like, how can a doctor physician not say anything about it? Like even to the knowledge that residents may not be as educated. Like they have 10, 15 years of education, but they're not going to be willing to take that. She's like, are you sure you want this? Like, this is what this is. Like walk me through the process, but of, like, it's a different world out there so I could I could probably get an understanding that it's just negligent it's negligent and that's what kills and, me and I feel like if women knew more about their bodies and their sexual health and their reproductive health that it would give them more autonomy that course, it would yes. give them that it would empower them more you know we we have what what's called PREA, PREA. which is the prison uh rape, rape elimination act yeah. What is, can you say the whole thing again, Raquel? The Prison Rape Elimination Act. Right. So we have that. And it's mandatory when we first hit the yard after reception that we attend these PREA classes. But for women, we have nothing that teaches or encourages us to know what's going on with our own sexual reproductive health. And I I think it's That's so bizarre know, to me. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, like it's just, I believe, and, and it's that kind of mystery 
that kind of holds women, you know, prisoner to their own bodies. Like if, if you don't know how to prevent unwanted, uh, you know, advances and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, it wanted unwanted pregnancies or unwanted sexual. I don't know what sexual disease is wanted, but I or sexual <laughs> yeah. diseases. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. That um. SCIs, that you're, that you're not going to be as confident with your body as you should be if you already know. Hey, this is what's going to happen to me. You know, I've seen a woman completely flip out because she thought she was pregnant, and in reality, she was experiencing menopause but no one ever explained her about the missing period. So, I mean, and this is a grown woman, you know, and, and instead of making fun of her, like re the rest of the cell did, you know, I, I talked to her by herself and I told her, yo, this is what I think is happening. You know what I mean? I don't think it's some weird pregnancy or anything because you haven't had sex in like 40 years, Martha, but <laughs> it's like, it was very strange because you'd expect a grown woman to know and to have autonomy over her own body. But, you know, I don't know how the woman could make a connection that she never had sex and thought she was pregnant instead of thinking she was postmenopausal. But it happens and it's not funny. You know what I mean? It isn't. And I felt really bad for her, you know. Yeah. Um, that's that's a that's a whole different added shame. And like I'm glad that you brought that up the and um we're telling you probably hopping on to the the idea of having the lack of autonomy to your own body in a place where you're stripped of that anyways, you're told what to do, you're told how to dress, what time to wake up, to eat, to sleep, to work out or play or whatever you do there, and then not know anything, that that honestly just boggles my mind because, I mean, I, I, I'd have to admit it now, like we've made fun of friends or like me, I've made fun of friends before. It's just like, how did you not know this stuff? Or like, that if you had unprotected sex, you could be pregnant. And then it's just like, oh, I did not know that. It's just like, oh, well, we could have avoided nine months of something if someone had told you sooner. Or like, if you were not ready to be a mother yet, uh, <clears throat> sh I, I shouldn't have laughed at you. I should have told you like, whoa, 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 before we did anything else, um, your partner needs to wear a condom or you need to be on birth control of some degree or take spermicide or plan B if you need it. Uh, and you need to get checked every so often. And then did, did you get checks like pap smears or uh, STIs, STD checks? Were that, was that even a thing in, in prisons? In women's so when prisons? you're on the, when you're on the um, receiving yard, um, you have to have a health screen before you go on to the main yards. And so there is one OBGYN that, that is on that yard and um, she had the most dreaded reputation that every woman that came out of there because she was so harsh with this uh, speculum, they call it, I think. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh, she would no. cause bleeding to every single woman that went in there, but you could not go over onto the main yard unless you went past this woman. And not only was was this a common occurrence because I also experienced it. I'm like, you guys are, you guys are getting carried away. I'm sure she's okay. Like, this is just something we have to go through here. But no, she made me bleed too for two days. And, mm. and then um, she had become so callous. Perhaps she did do this because she had the best of intentions, but she was so callous that she would, 
yell at you and say, why are you crying? I'm not doing anything wrong. Why are you crying? You know, because girls would come out of there in tears. Like I tried to be tough, but I came out in pain. That was what I came out with and, and anger at the system. But yeah, so that's- I'm, Yeah, I'm so sorry. Your, and you're, there's no rapport with this person. It, it's almost as if this, this woman is angry at you for being a woman in prison. That's the impression I get. And she does maybe 40 of these um, pap smears a day. And so she, she's become desensitized to the people that she's doing that to. We might as well, as far as she's concerned, we might as well be lab rats. She's gonna do her job. She's gonna do it the way she's always done it. And she's gonna treat you the way she's treated the next 10 people that are gonna come in. And, and so if you think that that fosters a healthy experience with women's reproductive health and that women say, when I get out of prison, I'm gonna go straight to an OBGYN and have another pap smear. It does not. It completely traumatizes you once again <laughs> and makes it so that you never wanna to go to another OBGYN again, you know? And so that's our experience with reproductive health. And then a year later they say, please come in for your pap smear. And everybody's like, man, I, I got to come up with an excuse. Like, because <laughs> no one wants, and of course you have a different OBGYN then. But you don't you know? don't know what they're going to be like because yeah, but, of that. But if that's your first experience with a pap smear, yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to other, either. That mm -hmm. other people may be kinder, kinder, may be gentler and may be more professional. You don't know that. But you're still that. scared, yeah. And yeah. I feel like that ties into what I was going to say with the out and outside of their med training, when people are working in prisons, even as volunteers, you come in with a training that everyone's here is manipulative. They're just yeah, trying to right, get over right, you. Right, right, right. They're just trying to say this, this, and that. So it's like you then kind of, as Laura was saying, become so destigmatized or this behavior is normalized that you're belittling them because you're being told to um, without being told to essentially. So it's like you come in and they're like, oh, here's another prisoner. Here's another, you know, loser. So like, just do what we got to do and get out of here. You know, so I feel like that ties in a lot to the, that's a, that's I guess lack of, you know, adequate training with folks who are teaching or not teaching, who are working inside um, because you're getting this ill-informed training that, yeah, and you don't get me wrong, there are folks in prison that are manipulative, but you know what, I'm manipulative too when I need to be, you right. know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. needs to know how to work the system. And yes, some people work it to a disadvantage, unlike us here probably, right. <laughs> you know, but um, I think that's what's also important to know with a lot of folks inside is that the training you get um, is just awful. Um, so you then start to treat people as subhuman because you're told that they are, that what they did led them to prison. And then um, I'm going to do my check-in because I need to shower since I came straight out of a workout into the podcast. Um, so one, I think this is phenomenal. Um, as I mentioned before, I think um, any level of knowledge and education you can provide to others, I think is really important. What I would recommend moving forward is maybe delving a little deeper. Um, Cause I know this was kind of like on the surface just understanding, you know, the criminal injustice system and things of that nature. But um, I think it's really important to also hear like the narrative. And, and this is one great segment, maybe having a segment just on formerly incarcerated women because Llewellyn, a friend of ours is phenomenal. Everything that spews out of her mouth is just 
precious gold. Um, so she, I think, is someone that should also be a part of this. But I think what you all are referring to right now um, deserves a segment just for women, maybe a segment for like recently released folks. Um, and then also just delving deep into, you know, their narratives, you know, some it is traumatizing. Um, oh, thanks, John. No, um, no, no, like in this part, like I, I noticed that you did take it off. So if like this part, I said this could just be like that 1.5. This will, this part will be just audio format, obviously, because your your home is exposed and I want to protect your privacy in this case. All right, so I will do you. that for you. Um, I mean, I mean, I should do that for you. It's kind of like a no brainer, duh. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but obviously, yes. Um, thank you for, for sharing that. And I, yeah. I, I'd want to, that's why I said like, please come back if you're gonna, if you want to, to dive into that too, because I actually wanted to ask that question to Sean after, but if you have to go, thank you so much, mm -hmm. Raquel, for your time. I really of course, do. thanks for the invitation, all the last minute, Wait. thank you, Sean. Yeah, I one last thing, we gotta take a picture, because I'm bad at pictures, so we're gonna take Okay, let me put my background back. Yeah, background back, and then if anything, this will be that picture instead, and then okay. we just talk over <laughs> it, but, so everyone all smiles, so, cheese. And I gotta go, where's this blasted thing? Okay, three, two, one. Awesome. Thank you all, or thank you, Raquel, because I got one last thing to ask Sean. Um, Bye everyone, nice right, to meet you. Nice to meet um, you. Hopefully see you all soon. Laura, Sean, Juan, love you. Yeah. Good night. Later. Um, actually, that's the one last thing I wanna ask you, Sean, uh, yeah. because this is, we touched a little bit because of Laura, Laura was being pretty open about the invasive medical procedures that you do in prison because you have to yeah and you don't have it looks like you don't really have a choice unless you lie about it or you get you find a way to get out of it was that something similar for you too as a man uh to do checks health checks that could be invasive or just wrong or just a off yeah so one of the things you know going in is that your your doctors employed in the prison system are normally doctors that had complaints filed against them in regular hospitals so this is usually the refuge for your poor quality doctors they go and hide out in prison. So knowing that when you go into prison, because your peers are gonna share this with you, everybody's just hesitant to get procedures. Um, I had to get two pterygiums removed from my eyes. This was more of the local doctor specialist who lived in the community of Lancaster would promote pterygium removal even when you didn't need it. So if one of the prison doctors funneled um, incarcerated individuals to see the doctor, they would automatically just encourage you to get this laser, or not laser, but get this surgery to remove the torsion from your eye, even when you didn't need it. So it was kind of a racket for this private practice doctor, doctor that was using the prison system. So the, the doctors inside of the prison who didn't really know was just funneling, funneling you to the specialist. There was times it came up because you heard the main person who approved these medical procedures because your regular doctor will order it, but then there's a main, like, chief of medical that will approve it they were becoming aware of this but then they would neglect the people that really needed it so when my pterygium was getting close to my pupil and I approached them they were like no this doctor is just removing everybody we don't even send people there anymore so then it became a neglectful thing because they were trying to be reactionary but at the end of the day when the doctors save money that's kind of the your best doctors are the ones that don't cost you as much so that's another incentive for them not to send people out for procedures. So whenever they can cut like the budget and save money, because they only get a certain amount allocated to their medical department at each prison. And I believe they get rewarded for the least amount of money, but providing medical care. So there's just 
twist of incentives that make it uncomfortable. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, that's my main experience with it is just you either don't get the care you need because oh. they they suggest that there's abuse going on. Mm -hmm. So they always suggest that it's for your well-being, whether you're getting, um, they'll definitely funnel tons of people to procedures they don't need, such as sending you to the insulin line when you don't need it. Or for me, they prescribed me high blood pressure medication when I didn't need high blood pressure medication. I was 18 coming out of June Hall and I had a thyroid disorder. But um, they just wanted to prescribe people high blood pressure medication. Cause, uh, But then again, my blood pressure is getting taken when I'm in handcuffs with my hands behind my back. And I'm stressed out because people are getting murdered in my pod. And the sheriffs are really aggressive when you go to right, medical. Right. It's not like a normal blood pressure check when you go to a clinic. It's, it's like it's, intense. It's, you're stressed. Yeah, you're you're stressed when you're doing Of course, you're high blood pressure. Right. Of course, your blood pressure is going to be high. Like, honestly, yeah. I would not like being handcuffed or scared just to get my blood pressure obviously it's gonna be I, what the okay that, that that's just me but obviously i'm not in the system so Sean, I was, you know you know what's weird is i had to have operations on my eyes too like they actually say that such instances such as incarceration and the traumatic arrest yeah. actually uh, speed up any damage. There's there's a really good book called Eye Yoga, and it talks about what happens to your eyes in a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And that was crazy. So I had um, advanced uh, cataracts in my eyes. Because of the things when I got, they were moderate actually when I was arrested, but after my arrest, they advanced so quickly that I was profoundly blind within my arrest, within six months of my arrest. So when I got to prison, um, wow. they even put in my chrono, right? That I was profoundly blind and I got, hey, I got a locker with a key. That was- Oh, for sure, key. yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get benefits for being blind. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's the catch 22, like. So I was like, I'm gonna go with this. Like, I like having no. a key for my locker, right? And so- um, That's- I got I got certain benefits, but in, in, in addition, I had to have my friend wait outside the unit. And when I would come back, she'd be like, Banks, over here, over here, Banks, because I couldn't see. I literally could only see shapes of faces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes COs give you signals like they'll nod their head at you or tell you to go this way. And I couldn't yeah. see it. And I had a CO just scream at me. Yeah, they'll like, freak out. Oh, you yeah. Stupid. You see, I pointed over there. What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't that. see. <laughs> He's like, don't give me yeah. that fucking bullshit. Bleep. So, bleep. No, yeah. no, I'll believe it. I'll believe it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, oh, it was, it was, it was fucking crazy, crazy. right? Yeah. So eventually I had yeah. to say so too because I based it on cruel and unusual punishment that they leave me in a dangerous place uh, without blind and that it could be repaired by surgery, a simple cataract surgery. Oh, so God. finally I won my, I lost the 602, then I petitioned again. I won the 602. They took me out, you know, the foot shackles, the handcuffs, everything, belly, belly chains to the doctor. And he's like, oh yeah, she needs it right away. I get there and they can't find a vein. You know, I'm a recovering a heroin addict. Yeah, though. so these are, those yeah, are kind of. Mm -hmm. It had been 10 years though, since I, you almost 10 years. And um, because I swear to this day, it was because I was an inmate and because I was shackled, this snotty anesthesiologist is like, I can't find a vein. Just, just forget it. You're just, we'll just give her local anesthesia. So I went under that surgery and it felt like a searing hot poker, even mm. though they numbed my eye, they did give me the numbing drops. 
was just burning into my eye. And, and I'm a pretty well-behaved inmate by this point. And I had a guard with me. Uh, his name was like Vandersip. He was, a, he was a pretty good, he was a good CO. And they had to call him and another guard to hold me down while they completed the surgery. They had my head taped to a board. And um, he's yeah, like, this is hard to, <laughs> Jesus. He's like, man, Murray, you put up a fight. Like I'm a big guy, you know, and, <laughs> and yeah, most, he was gentle, you know, and he was, he was nice. And he was trying to tell me, Murray, it's okay. It's okay, Murray. I got you. I got you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And he, like, he was a, a pretty cool guy, but so the next time when I went to go get the left eye done and the doctor asked the anesthesiologist, what do we have on board? He's like, you know, I can't get a vein on this one. And he didn't even try. And, um, damn, that's hard. The Sorry. Doctor, yeah. Doctor, the doctor was like, listen, I'm not going through the same thing with this one again, that we went through last time. He said, that was a fight. He said, you're going to put her under laughing. He said, you're going to put her under whatever that he didn't call it laughing gas. He called it like nitrous, not I just some kind of oxide. He said, you're going to put her under with gas and you're going to put her under right now. I'm not going through this with her again. And gratefully, they they put me under. You know what I mean? And then I got back and I had patches on my eyes and my roommates were like, hey, bank robber, we don't mean to scare you or anything, but you know, we're black, right? <laughs> Yeah, I still I talked to that girl yesterday, Twinkles, and I was like, yes, Twinkles, like, they were really funny, but, but yeah, that was my experience with my eye surgery, and I, to this day, I will never forget how hard I had to fight to get it, and how traumatic it was when I finally did get it. <laughs> quick, yeah, quick question to that, since, like, you went through something like that, Shiroya, <laughs> he's, he's whimpering, because he's, he wants attention. Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. I'll put you on my lap and we'll talk about this. But yeah. Okay. I'm getting pickle. Come on, pickle. <laughs> Might as well. It's a semi doggo cast. So this is like what I would call the post show, yeah. post show podcast. So I don't want to be all nice and for on oh, right. I should be. He's the best. Oh. You say hi, pickle. I've er I've owned birds before before coming to America. So this is really cute. Oh, <laughs> hey. What that are you doing? Are you the good bird? Are you giving it? That's so cute. So gentle. Um, actually, that that, that begs the question because, like, you know how you have mentioned the the speculum procedure, right? The insertion and how it was traumatic, uh -huh. right? So because and you're on menopause, right? So when you and you had your eye surgery, there's there is a question to this. Trust me, <laughs> I'm getting to it. Um, when you came out, uh, came out the second time, right? It's the second time. The second time officially, you're good to go. Um, when you had to set up appointments for doctors, like any doctor, optometrist, general, and all of that, were you nervous? Oh, yeah, so? I didn't even want to do it. Nervous isn't even the word. I mean, it's an <laughs> uncomfortable procedure. I don't, mm -hmm. all I have is Medi-Cal. I don't have any good medical insurance. So I know I'm going to get a doctor that's not happy with their financial situation because they're medical doctors and um yeah so i i finally have a doctor uh i got a medical doctor and i then i got a school doctor but then my chronic health issues like diabetes and hypertension and all that were too much for the school doctor he's like mm -hmm. look i just do mono and like sexually transmitted diseases here at the college. I, I can't handle your chronic health issues. 
So I went back to that same doctor that I had gone to before and she actually, I have kind of a rapport with this woman and she finally was able to talk me into and it didn't take much talking because I know I need these checkups. Mm-hmm. She was able to talk me into, you know, having a pap smear and having a regular breast exam and, and all that, you know. But so, that, that probably took a lot of yeah, Talk about, it's like it's internal. It took a lot of something inside just to make yeah, you do there that was an again. Internal, there was an internal struggle, but like I said before, prison. I also had uh, I had had good health insurance at one time, and I knew, you know, I knew what those exams consisted of, and it wasn't pain and trauma. But, so I kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, I kind of had a reference, but it still doesn't stop you from from feeling those feelings of apprehension. Mm-hmm, no, you know, that's yeah, so I can't imagine what it's like for women that go in that have never had pap smears and that's their only pap smear. You know, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's got a really, uh, that's that's very detrimental to reproductive health as well. No, absolutely. It's traumatizing too. And then um, Sean actually asked a question, like, did you actually learn any sexual health education while you were there? Um, like you were in juvenile, you were juvenile in juvenile hall. hall. Yeah, so in juvenile hall, they would have the, the county educators for AIDS. And like bare, like bare bones education. Riverside county, yeah. So we were like ranked in the top four for chlamydia in the nation. Mm-hmm. So that was one of their big focuses. Was just, okay. Educating us on that. And yeah, so it was like, we got some, oh, but they also, yeah, I remember they came. So I got actually like uh, twice yeah. while I was there. I was there three years. And um, the second time I'll never forget, it was funny. I was having a silly conversation with a staff in the back. So I was like, it brings me back to one of my favorite moments. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just like because um, because with Laura said, Laura said that uh, some some women, young girls, just don't know. And then just yeah. wonder if that was the same for you. But you went it, through the juvenile system. The yeah. So when you're in juvenile hall, you're still children, and the state has laws that govern you. So right until you're they have to provide you stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're required to give you an hour of exercise. They're required to provide you a, a education so you got to go to high school because mm-hmm. there's there's laws just as as children you get a little extra incentives doesn't mean they won't beat the crap out of you and say you did something stupid and doesn't mean they won't sexually abuse you um, yeah. because all of that was prevalent sexual abuse was way worse in the juvenile system than the adult system although really? in the adult system it's pretty notorious your juvenile system your juveniles we don't know how to file 602s we don't know how to file lawsuits and for kids. And 602s is the paperwork to file That's for your, sexual abuse? Uh, so you would, you, would file, you would make a PREA report in prison, and then they would get on it pretty fast in prison now with PREA. That's a pretty instant investigation mm-hmm. as soon as you dial the PREA number. And when was but, PREA um, made again? Sorry, just prison to Prison Rape catch Elimination Act. Uh, and that's, when was that? that's, that's across the whole country. No, no, I'm saying when. When did that, that start? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I started seeing it in prisons in 2016, I believe. They they asked us in R and R. They were required mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and they would they would tell you that there's a pretty silly question, but we gotta ask you: Have you ever been sexually assaulted by your celly? So that's so how I, it, oh, okay. that's how it was kind of like became to our attention. And also, there's flyers were put up in our day rooms, which were required by law because I believe legislation passed, which required them to do that. But mm-hmm. I also know Priya is nationwide because mm-hmm. they have a institutional video from like Mississippi. They have the same thing in their prison system, trying to eliminate uh, prison sexual abuse. Yeah, but, prisoner sexual abuse. And one I, of the things that sexual abuse as well is your strip searches because 
for no, children. yeah, that's yeah. I didn't want to bring that up. Well, I wasn't sure how to bring that up because well, like I've the... searched mm-hmm. probably a thousand times. Like in 16 years, when you're an ad seg, you get strip searched every day. And yeah. uh, in juvenile hall, anytime you go anywhere, you, even time you leave the classroom, you're gonna strip search. Mm-hmm. So you have adults like strip searching children, and in juvenile hall, they watch your showers. And one some of their excuses is that we got to make sure you don't pee on each other, which is a, a fully developed adult. It's like, you guys are like sexual abusers, but to them, I don't know how they, they all, in, in our juvenile hall in Riverside County, they had to have two, they had to have at least an AA to be a, a juvenile counselor. So even with a college education, a lot of them are ex-college football players. That's like kind of how they acquired their education. They were focused on sports, but um, yeah, but they don't have that level of abuse. Uh, it's crazy. I don't get to speak about it much because there's never a venue to speak mm-hmm. about. There's all these adult venues, but we rarely have venues to speak about the children because people have either aged out. Well, yeah. So maybe next week, yeah, that'll be yeah. a good place to highlight mm-hmm. our experiences. Because mm-hmm. I, I, that's just something that I, just, like I said, I didn't know how to bring it up because that is a very sensitive topic. And then I wasn't sure what the both of your histories are with that, whether or not if it was yeah. good or really traumatic like to the far end scope and we're just putting that lightly um but because like those were the the depictions that i've seen like i said social media where sexual abuse happens during strip searches and obviously like bathrooms and stuff like that or when everyone's dead asleep and you're held down and stuff like that so it's just like the and because you were in juvenile hall you said that it's more prominent a prompt excuse me prominent in juvenile than in the adult prisons, which I thought would just be the reverse. Um, so, and because there's so many more people in the adult system, there's probably higher numbers. But if you look at the percentages per population, it'd be higher in juvenile hall. So if you only have 100 kids in one juvenile hall, but 10 of them are victims of sexual abuse, it's 10% of your facility versus 10 people in a prison that house 5,000. Uh, right, so it's per okay. capita, it's yeah. per capita. Okay, that's 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 actually a really good comparison because it's like I can't math top of my head and then that's a very shocking comparison. But yeah, thank you for sharing me that. And yeah, we could yeah. talk about that sooner just so like I could have all the proper trigger warnings and proper statements ahead of time just in case I because I would mark that episode the one that we will have next week if we it does come down to that yeah. um, for more mature audiences only and then it's more like listen into your own risk because I do have I could imagine some of my viewers could be a little they could get traumatized um, from their own histories for whatever reasons. And I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. So, but yeah, thank that's, 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 that's a real sad reality to in prison hall. Like, and I know that that is a statistic that's too high there as well. So yeah, yikes doesn't even cover how shocked and gross I feel about, especially your story, Laura, about that one, like part of my French pissing physician <laughs> and like it, it hurts me too because it's like that's what I wanted I wanted to be a gynecologist and that means I have to work with women and I have to do things to women you know obviously with all the right rules and regulations of the training and I'd never want to ever take advantage of a woman like that and not feel so callous to their needs even if they are incarcerated yeah I feel like We all, most of us, I think I can speak for most of us in the women's prison that um, you learn a certain self-loathing in there and it's, and it's based upon other women that you come in contact with in the women's correctional facilities. Nobody wants a female CO, nobody. Nobody? Yeah, we want, we want the male COs. 
you know, huh, okay. female CEOs, because the female CEOs, it to us feel like uh, they're harder on us. They're, they're definitely meaner. They're definitely stricter. I don't know how huh. it is. I talk to some men that say, we love the female CEOs. They're, they're like, you know, they're cool with us in there. They're great. But when and that all depends, that all depends. It all depends. Yeah, but... What the motives are. Right. But you went to female CEOs if you want like cell phones and drugs because you could develop like relationships. Right. But right. at the end of the day, if you have a female that's um, only doing it for one race or one group because they've gone gotten control of her basically, then the other races will get write-ups. So like, say we have we had two guys that were notorious at my last yard. They had one CEO that gave them phones, everything they needed, but every other person. She went extra out, like she would write them up for frivolous things because yeah. she had to prove a point that she wasn't doing she wasn't the doing stuff it. she was doing. So yeah. that's the only time you wouldn't want a female skill around. And I mean, so, that, uh, yes, that's a that and that's a political thing. And women don't have they have politics, but they don't have politics to that level in the prison. You know, but but as I mean, it feels it feels like when you have a woman CEO that you feel you get this feeling that they're condemning you that you have not lived up to the role expectations of being a woman you're a bad mother you're a bad daughter. wow okay that so that's a gender condemnation they're so judgmental yeah because yeah, i'm very them, they always very tell me the, the female staff i've worked with in prison and some of them are my friends to this day I'll never work in a female prison. They're this or that. Yeah, they're nasty. They're Ooh. dirty. And they always tell us the men are so much cleaner. The yeah. men are so much cleaner than you. The men don't whine. The men live with each other. The men, but check it out. You put eight women in a cell together of all different races. You don't do that with the men, you know? So oh, yeah. the, the thing how... is, is yeah, they're always <laughs> you you know yeah. i can't believe you were that kind of mother or i can't i mean it's constant judgment and it's not just from the woman ceo it can be from educational staff yeah it can it be from fun. the psychological counselors it can be from the vocational staff and you get this vibe and they make sure that you know that you have not made the cut as a woman and it's my job to not only tell you that but to punish you for it. And so when we see a woman CO coming into our uh, unit, as opposed to a male CO, everybody's like locked down and just go to your cells now. Cause here comes this bitch. And, 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 you know, and, and because it seems like, you know, I was older, so I didn't have this problem, but I, it seems like the guys, there's more of a camaraderie, you know, they kind of treat you like, like one of, one of the guys, so to speak. You know, like they joke with you, you know, they they pull some mean pranks on you sometimes. Like I, I've had a male CEO that he was pretty cool. And he's like, Murray, step out of your cell right now. I'm like, all right. I step out. I've got my entire cell staring at me, all seven women. And he's like, turn around and cuff up. I'm like, okay. And he cuffs me up and he's like, dang, you just cuffed up like nothing. What have you been doing? I was just messing with you. Get back in your cell. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm gonna kick your ass, Reynolds. And you know what I mean? He was he was funny, he was entertaining, and I forgave him for that somewhat traumatizing moment because it broke up, <laughs> you know, the monotony and it made made me feel like, you know, hey, this it's guy not as bad as it's telling you. Uh it's not as bad as if he would have said, um, Murray, roll your stuff up, you're going home, you're you're moving, you're leaving. And he yeah. makes you think you're going home, but then you go to another cell. 
Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't have forgiven for that one. That, I don't know. I think I would have just because it, just because I would have because it would have broken up the monotony. And like I said, like I was. I that was, was the worst. That I was, was not worst. serious. I was a funny guy in prison. Like I used to mess with people, you know, so to speak. So I mean, I didn't mind that that they did that, but I'd rather have a man do that than have a woman tell me, I've gone through, I came home from work and she said, I've gone through your entire cell. Do you have a chrono for these boxers? Are you a transgender? And I'm like, do I fucking look like a transgender to you? And because she was, I mean, not nothing on transgenders, but I was like, I know what this lady was trying to do, right? right and right. I paid five dollars $5 for those boxers through PIA sewing, you know, just so I, because it's 150 degrees in my jail cell in the summertime, you know, and I wanted, I wanted something cool to sleep in. And so they don't provide you with pajamas in prison, just so you know. And so I had a boxer, I had boxers and a t-shirt and this chick was waiting at the door for me. And it's like, Murray, I have your confiscation slip unless you can provide me with a chrono saying that you're transgender and you're allowed to have these boxers. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, okay, thank you, ma'am. That's, that's wait, another wait, thing. wait, 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 hold up. Transgender is in prison, but go ahead. Yeah, go before before we, we, we hop into that, because that's something I'm, oof. Uh, I could say a lot. That's about a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. But no, 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 no. I, I, I just wanted to, to, to check on that. Um, I, I, it just totally occurred to me just now. Um, females are not sorry. Females. That sounds really bad. Women bagging on other women, and but bagging on other women in the prison system. Wow, that's that's a whole different time. And I know that I should know that too because I had stories like I sometimes I feel more hurt and more in pain when it's a woman telling me that I'm less than one. And that's right, that's, especially since those women weren't, protect, you know, protected as children. They were allowed to be preyed upon, you know, by sexual abusers, by domestic violence, by all this stuff. And, and you think you stuff, would yeah. lift another woman up. And I really, um, besides Raquel, I mean, I really haven't experienced that kind of encouragement and inspiration from another woman that, hey, you know, maybe the education coordinator at the reentry program, but she wasn't like, you know, like she was there for a little bit, but otherwise I don't, I didn't really get that a lot. You didn't you get know? that, like, not so like you affection, would, but you didn't and get And I that feel care. like now, especially in Project Rebound, like I embrace my sisters that come in. I'm like, you know what? You're going to get in my corner over here and I'm going to believe in you until you believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Because I believe we've experienced different things than men and that we need a different kind of, you know, love and encouragement, you know, than guys do. I mean, I love my Project Rebound brothers, but let me tell you what, I'm fiercely protective of my sisters, you know? Uh, yeah. I got I got to say too, with, with Project Rebound, that's the first group of guys that I know in the community that I don't feel like are trying to hold you back. I don't feel like we're vying for the same thing and there's only one resource and they'll step on each other to get it, which right. is beautiful because now I can put my heart behind Project Rebound and be comfortable that the work I do will be respected. But I don't get that with my current group at the community college because some of those guys already stabbed me in the back in prison. Like we we put a lot of heart oh. and energy into great projects. And then they were like, they totally wanted all the credit and were like, you know, forget you, we're going to, step on what you did it really hurt me so like i don't feel that way with project rebound and i have a hard time as well like i navigate to females like for support i feel like all my friends are female 
because they're not hating on me. Like we're not in competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like with my That's male right. friends, it's so hard to find solid male individuals yeah. that I just can say I love and I'll go to war for you. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Project Rebound guys, I feel like every single one of them has showed me a lot of love. And I've never mm-hmm. got the sense that they want to see me fail for mm-hmm. them to succeed. I always feel like we've already made it. So we're good. We're all here. Let's just, you know, get what we can. But we're together. That's how I feel. Yeah, that's, that's, a, oof. who's yeah. the prettiest bird in the world? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you? <laughs> that's such a well-trained bird. No, yeah, that's cute. amazing. Because I, I'm assuming that's a parakeet from the way that looks. No, it's a parrot. It's the smallest, one of the smallest parrots in the world. It's parrot. called the South American parrot. That you show her your little hooked beak. You show it. Ow! Don't show it to me. Yeah, you show yeah. Her my butt. <laughs> I had to put her on. I had to put Wait. her on layaway, and I went back and and got her out of parrot jail. I always tell her I I bailed her out, but she was so expensive that I working at the feed store I couldn't afford her, so I go put. $20 and then $30 and then until $40 you're able, until you're able to afford it was over $300 and I was able to get her and she thinks that I'm her mom so <laughs> I've actually I flew to I fly to North Carolina and I take her with me and put her under the seat and um she flies with me to North Carolina and back she goes all over the place she's my little friend yeah <laughs> no that's no I think that's cute it's just Oh, yeah, it's a South American parrotlet. Parrotlet. And her name is Pickle. But she's a little green pickle. It's like literally the size of a pickle because she's well to give you a perspective, like here's my finger. I can, let me see if I can get her. I'm trying to get her. Yeah, oh, the like, like that's as big as my finger. So she's like half, you know, the size of my finger. It's like what three three or about four inches? three yeah about three inches and she weighs less than an ounce so but she's really clever like she plays her little guitar and plays with her soccer ball oh yeah they're, can you play with a soccer ball buddy <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> fetch this, this one's gonna fetch my other ones uh not so much but we don't yeah. talk about <laughs> but yeah that's thank you for sharing those well they are quite horrifying stories but yeah. there's like like the hor- horrifying because that's what they were crazy just just an afterthought i do have to pee it's like did you want to continue this conversation no, we're like good I'm, I'm got, i gotta go too <laughs> i know you guys but yeah yeah no no that's great no <laughs> i just i just made that out there but no honestly because i will see you again sean monday yeah, monday yeah i look forward because i've never actually met her her mentee so I look okay. forward to meeting oh, yeah. her amber, and her. amber's cool she's good people she's really trying she had a you know, a pretty rough uh, childhood and uh, adolescence. So I'm, I'm really happy she's coming to speak with you all. Okay. Good and, night, everybody. Thank wait, 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 quick question. Are you going to be there too Monday? Do you want me to be there? I can be there. Did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll be there. Okay. I'll see you Monday. I'll send it again. And then thank you. Thank you to you for sharing your time. Bye, Doggy. Yeah. All right. Bye. 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 Bye, little fuzzy dog. <laughs> thank you so much. See you later. Ooh, that was a lot. That was a lot, buddy, huh? Yeah, time to pee.